Welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged in local issues. I am Anthony Sosa, and today I have here with me Christopher Rose and Thomas Moore, here to discuss the Texas Democratic Party platform. So last episode, we covered the Texas GOP party platform, and for comparison's sake, we are looking at the Texas Democratic Party platform. And to be quite honest up front, we were pretty pretty surprised and satisfied with, with what this had to offer. Um, not nearly as much. I, I really had, was thinking that it was going to be closer to the centrist establishment Democrat uh, you know, perspective from D.C. that we kind of hear a lot at the national level. Not so here in the Texas Democratic Party platform. No, they have quite, quite the bold platform. So we're going to get into that. Um, all of the resources, like every episode, will be provided below in the show notes for what we use today. Um, and this podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. You can sign up for our newsletter and get updates on FW political news and deep dives into local issues at our website, justicereformleague.org. Feel free to contact us if you have any episode ideas or any additional stories if you would like us to cover them. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at FWReview or through Gmail at FWFreedomReview at gmail.com. Master our voices with robot auto tunes. Did you have a chance to go through the thingy, the platform? Uh, a little, not much, because I've been either working or watching that one. Okay, let me yeah. let me double check. It was a pretty big document to get through. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping it's just slight slightly less insane than the GOP one. You know what? That is. So that's what I was going to ask you before we started. I wanted to see what y'all's take or what y'all's opinions were, you know, if you had a chance to get through some of it. Um, so, I mean, just based on what you have seen, like, what do y'all, what do you think of it? I'll t I want to tell you what I think, but I want to see what you think first. <laughs> uh, I think the GOP has lost a damn mind. Well, not lost our mind. Really, they, really, just like you know, they're protesting. They took the damn mask off, and now everyone's like, "Oh my god, they actually are fascist." Mm -hmm. So, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you mean on the like the recent, the recent stuff that Abbott's been doing, like cons consistently, you know, totalitarian stuff? Or are you talking about the platform from last last episode? Oh, not just that. The the platform too. You know, the the biggest thing that that struck me as fascist was the whole we want the state legislators to legislatures to decide every single election that yeah, was that was pretty insane that was they that was the yeah. one for me where i'm like oh oh no y'all y'all fascist fascists okay yeah that's pretty crazy that so this so yeah so for comparison this one's very different in tone um it's, mm -hmm. it's very different just like as a document it reads very different it prioritizes the sections there's actually a bunch of subsections in this one there wasn't in the other one it's just all around it's it wasn't available in pdf it's like just on the website so for the listener when you go down into the 
link if you want to go look at this yourself. They pretty much just have it all posted on one website. You kind of have to scroll through, um, which isn't maybe the easiest way to go through it, but because it's huge. Uh, so when I printed it off, you know, by highlighting it and oh, this is big. I'm like scrolling it. and I'm yeah. still not through it. It's like 60 pages. It ended up being 60 pages. I only I double paged my my pages and I printed it double sided. So I only printed 15 pages of paper. It's still a very big document, um, which was actually kind of cool, you know, and I, didn't, I wasn't planning. I didn't know if I was going to get all the way through it. I actually did. But the reason it's so big is because they actually really elaborate and explain the, their point, like what they're actually trying to do. Like, whereas the Republican one pretty much just like listed things like I'm just I'm pulling up that one real quick. The very first thing they had, here are 10 principles. They say those in the Republican one. And then the first thing they say is business, commerce and transportation. And they just kind of like number that stuff down. And they got they, they have like 45 things to say about that on the Democrat one. The first thing we'll get to the uh, and row. I want you to read the the preamble here in a second. But but right before, like just just to contrast that with the with the Democrat one, like the very first thing they bring up is uh, is cannabis reform. And and then they go through it like here are points about we've got 10 point. I don't know. I'm not counting it. 10 ish points about cannabis reform. Here they are. And that's kind of where the Republican one stopped. And then they would elaborate on all 10 of those points and they would each have sub. I don't know, you know, any number of sub points, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little. So that's what led to the length of the document is they were actually like giving a bunch more information uh, about like either how to implement those things um, or just like more policy. I mean. It's really a reform oriented document, like everything they're trying to do, they're trying to change things. And like the Republican yeah. one is really like trying to prevent as much change as possible and like more more or less retroactively taking things back to like the 1800s. So, yeah. So like I don't think. In in a lot of ways, that's true. Uh, the the fucking, uh, I'm, I'm going to beat this over the head with dead sick because this is that th is fighting words for me. But the whole we think the state legislature should vote for everything, that's never been a thing. Yeah. Where they, they vote for everything, you know. And that is because they know they're losing power. Uh, the GOP, I've noticed, and this is probably why I was kind of conservative in my earlier years, is because they're intentionally vague and they use dog whistles, but they don't tell anyone they're using dog whistles. Half the people who say they're conservative are only conservative because they think that what they're being told is true. Yeah, and that's... And I mean, it's almost never the well, case. Like, they'll contradict themselves so many times that people just won't care. Yeah, and that's... Well, that's what we saw with the document, too. Like, and, and I kind of... Mm -hmm. I do want to move on from the Republican one because this episode is going to be about the Democrat one. So, you know, kind of I kind of yeah. want to leave the Republican stuff here. But yeah, that's what we kind of came to the conclusion at the end of the episode was that this is was one big giant contradiction. It's not even ideologically consistent. Um, which is what you're saying. Like, and the, the most people who are conservative aren't really either because they're not really thinking out these ideas very well, I think. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about before we before we put it down to bed? What do you think about all that, Rose? And what was your reaction, you know, after last week or, or last episode rather? About, about the Republican sorry, stuff. The, the Republican stuff? Yeah. I mean, the same conclusion like that you were saying is it was just very like like we would encounter things that that seem to go like so sideways from how um not only not only from like the things that they were saying in the 
platform, but from what they have actually been doing. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So lots of lots of inconsistencies. Lots of this is what we tell people, and then this is what we're doing. With yeah. It. Lots of like seemed like it was the platform was like it was like trying to get voters, not trying to communicate to voters about what they're standing for you know yeah that's a really interesting point that's that's really yeah absolutely so do you do you would you mind doing kind of what you did last time where you give us the preamble and we can kind of talk about that for a second sure one moment scrolling back so much scrolling okay whole thing ready yeah all right <clears throat> Texas Democrats believe the need for a well-functioning government that acts based on facts and evidence to preserve the life, health, and well-being of every person that has, has never been more clear than now. The interdependence of every Texan on the actions of every other Texan challenges us to give of ourselves so that none of us fall. Together, we will overhaul the social contract and establish a new economic engine that allows all residents to thrive. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. And it's kind of short and sweet. Like it's not it's not as long as, as the other one was, and it's pretty to the point. But like mm -hmm. that last sentence, together we'll overhaul the social contract and establish a new economic engine. It's like, okay, that's pretty direct, mm -hmm. like what you're saying you want to do. <laughs> you know? Um change? All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. What do you think about that, Thomas? Uh I, I think it's a brush for the fresh air. I think it sounds more like a platform preamble than the GOPs, which sounded like some Fox News talking point. <laughs> like I could I could I was literally <laughs> hearing Tommy Lauren's like voice reading that and I I I kind of wanted to jump off a bridge. But but yeah, but this one this one's different different in tone. And one thing a common thing that we'll see kind of as we go through this is the focus on like the Texan Tex yeah. Texas population like as a community and kind of as mm -hmm. the people. And referring to all people needing X, Y, or Z, um, and and that's that's kind of the main, you know, we'll we'll, we'll say that up over and over again. And that's what I was looking for. Like I I was before we kind of went on air. I was I was telling Ro that like I was kind of trying to look at this as a like critically. I was trying mm -hmm. to be skeptical about what they were saying. You know, I was like I found a lot of issues in the Republican one. There was actually some stuff that I agreed with on there. You know, and so I was like, okay, I was kind of trying to do the same thing with this one, but there was really not a lot I had issues with to be like, I was surprised how much, how far they were going on some of these things. Like some of it's yeah. straight up socialism. And so I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> but you know, that I wasn't expecting that from the Texas Democrats that you don't really hear them advocating right. that publicly or anything, you know, but at least well, what I've noticed with the Democrats as a whole is I think they're realizing that people are moving away from this era of politics where both parties were essentially almost the exact same thing except one's red one's blue you know like yeah reagan walked in and now all of a sudden everyone's like these a conservative moderate overnight yeah and i think what's happened is they've kind of soured on people that that whole thing and you're really seeing a more a, a much more pro prominent presence of progressive democrats and they're realizing that we're not going to be able to be competitive either unless we bring these people in because this is really what they want. So instead of like trying to stick their head in the sand and try to go go backwards, you know, and hopefully yeah. 
retain what they used to have. They're actually moving forward and, you know, working with these progressive Democrats and they're, they're making more equitable platforms and they're, they're doing what they need to make sure that it's a stark, stark contrast from the GOP. You know, that's true. And 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 you're going to have to make that case. Yeah. You're going to have to make that case. But also, you know, it's like I I do want to be clear that this isn't binding in any way. Right. Like just because they put something on the platform doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to follow through with that on policy. Um, But it's it is, again, nice to use as like a, uh, you know, like a a measuring stick for what 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 are they actually trying to do? How far are they actually trying to take things? Um, And so that's so let's hit the principles. Everything. okay. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and roll into the principles uh, that they kind of start off the document with. And obviously, we're not going to be able to get through the whole thing just like we didn't last time. But uh, nah. I figure we could hit some of the key, you know, maybe some of the key spots. So the principles yeah. uh, they start off with: uh, Texas Democrats believe democratic government exists to achieve as a community, state, and nation what we cannot achieve <laughs> as individuals, and that it must serve all its people. We believe every Texan has inalienable rights that even a majority may not take away. And what do we got? Six here. One, the right to vote and fair representation in the democratic process. Two, the right to quality public education. Three, the right to affordable health care and best safety practices in the face of contagion. Four, the right to due process, unbiased, and fair justice. Five, the right to a clean and healthy planet. And six, the right to privacy. And so, and then there's like more, more of it than that. But I just kind of want to stop there for a second. Is there anything that jumped out to you guys? Um, <laughs> that jumped out. I'm like, Sorry. whenever you ask questions like that, I'm like, that jumped out. What's he thinking about specifically? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I just didn't. I mean, is it right? <laughs> none of it. None of it's. None of it's crazy, right? Like this is all pretty straightforward sort of stuff. Right to afford, yeah. affordable health care, best safety practices, you know, due process, clean, clean planet to me is a good one. Like it's actually bringing up environmentalism. The the Republican one was actively like opposing environmentalism at like every single term. Mm-hmm. So right to privacy. You know, this is all this is all pretty standard it's stuff, very, I feel. Yeah, it's very general, very standard. The clean and healthy planet is the one that felt super different from at least what the republicans were saying Mm -hmm. you know like because all of these you know like i'm sure like the sentence quality public education or the phrase like it was all over the the gop platform you know yeah just the same it's just about how you how you back that up and what that means to you so without going into all these things like they are all you know you're like oh yeah those seem good you know yeah i agree i agree uh, they also they spend a moment on freedom. They're like the next section is like we believe yeah. in freedom. Mm-hmm. Government. That interest. first bullet point though. Religion and individual conscience freedom. We love it. Yeah, which one? Which one, Thomas? The uh, the freedom from government interference in our private lives. Yeah. And personal decisions where they do not harm another. Like, yeah. If I just saw that, I'd have thought they were libertarians for a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's fantastic. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's being reasonable. Like, it's like people always are like the, the left is the party of like over government overreach and like it's dominating government. And like here they are like the, at the very beginning of the document, like we believe in the freedom from government interference, like when necessary. Uh, and like there's a lot of libertarians in Texas. So like, hey, that's that's appealing to you <laughs> if you're one mm -hmm. of those people. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. Everything else is going to make them throw hands, but maybe but, like, like, hey, that's nice. Everything else, though. The exercise of uh, civil human rights and the exercise of freedom, you know, religion and individual conscience is kind of how they put it. Freedom of religion yeah. and individual conscience. All these things are great. You know, freedom from discrimination based on like the long list of everything you could possibly just be discriminated by. Uh, we believe in responsibility. So the next section is responsibility, which is was it's just weird that you would have to. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But it seems like a, it, w weird that you would have a section on responsibility in a like in a political document or something i don't know it's still texas you don't want to scare off all the conservative democrats yeah but it's actually but it makes sense though like as i started going through it i was like yeah i don't really have a problem with any of this um responsibility that religion individual conscience can never serve to excuse hatred and discrimination i agree with that yeah uh believe in responsibility that uh and that people are responsible for their actions that's like one of my class rules like yeah yeah uh, we ha who have benefited so greatly from our state and country have a responsibility to support and give back to all our communities and public institutions. Like, yeah, like yeah. that's something that when you hear someone say that, like, oh, I had to give back to my community. That's always like a very admirable thing, but I didn't, I've never heard it from like an institutional perspective where they say, no, everybody's responsible to do that. Like that's, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, which is great. That's a great, I think. Okay. And according to the rest of this platform, like we should all be benefiting from yeah. our state and country. You know, we yeah. should all be in a place where we are able to give back. Exactly. It's it's a totally different like perspective of, I guess, the role of a citizen or like what, what you're even trying to garner towards like your voters. Like it's it's just it's just mm -hmm. different. And the last one was really was what really got me. And I was like, oh, yeah, getting fired up. Corporations are what not people. Fuck? corporations are not people and should not be used to shield individuals from accountability for their actions. And it's like, mm. oh, oh, they're telling us how they really feel. Yeah. Oh, that's the kind of responsibility you're talking about. Like, oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All about it. Uh, they believe in equal rights. They believe in equal opportunity. We believe in a growing economy that should benefit all Texans. And I was kind of economics was what I was kind of like going, OK, where's the where, where what's this look like? Uh, the people who work in businesses are as important as those who invest in it. Every worker should be paid a living wage of at least $15 an hour. So they're pro the $15 minimum wage. Um, mm -hmm. Good businesses offers fair deal for customers. It's like, all right. Um, regulation of unfair practices and rates is necessary. So pro regulation is kind of like, duh, but they're just explicitly saying we need regulation. And then yep. the burden of taxes should be fairly distributed, which is like, yes, because so that is not what we're dealing with right now. Um, and then, and this is all still technically like before the document gets started, there's a couple of more sections. They said, we believe that our lives, homes, communities, and country are made secure by, and then they list a bunch of different stuff. Um, there's a couple, this is what, to me where like the, the neoliberalism, um, like status quo towards like our role in the world and stuff. That was at like, the stuff that I always, the, the 11 things on the document that I marked in red were like all about. America's moralism and, and imperialism or whatever, and kind of still supporting yeah. that. 
And so like this, and, and these are again, innocuous statements, but I was kind of trying to read into them as much as I could. And so it's like, by working together to secure one another's health, safety, recognizing our interdependence and interconnectedness and leaving no one behind. That one's cool. But the next one, by appropriately staffed, trained and equipped military, law enforcement and emergency services. And it's like, all right, like, yeah, but, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know, or is that me? I at least liked that they said appropriately staffed. They were like, mm. they weren't like, we need to back up our, our boys, you know, give them more yeah. money. Like, yeah. like it, it was like appropriately staffed and funded, which is a. I mean, give them more money is kind of what they mean, though. <laughs> like Biden increased the police budget. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, and so, I mean, that's that's kind of that that status quo sort of a Democratic Washington, D.C. sort of perspective. But I agree with you, Rose, like that's that's there's they, wiggle room. It just depends on what you actually do with that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. obviously emergency services like, yeah, all of that for emergency services. But it's like for yeah. law enforcement, like eh, for military, you know, depending where and what part, what are we doing with it? Exactly. Yeah, um, they've yeah. got they've got enough of all that. Like, I think the problem is. You know, what I didn't see is any mention of social services on there, which I have a really big problem with because they are really underfunded in Texas. Like, it's yeah. not even funny. So they get to that. They actually spend a good <laughs> six or seven okay. pages on that, actually. But it's towards the, it's towards the end of the document. Um, okay. I, so I started having that concern, too. I was like, what? But no, it's 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 actually there. Um, the, the one section. It was about to grind my gears for a second, man. I was, <laughs> I was about to go off. So continuing on, they say, believe we believe in a harassment free environment. Which I thought was another thing that I thought was interesting because like the Republicans don't mention it at all, kind of really. Like it's like not a section, not a not not a not a heading for one of the sections they, they talk they, about, right? They, they think it's okay, and if it's not okay, you're too sensitive. You're you're a snowflake. Yeah, I mean you can't. I mean yeah, that's obviously right. Like the 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 but like I don't know the the document just doesn't even really account for it for the most part. Um, and this one's kind of putting it out there up front, and like the first point in it is dismantle sexism and our own behaviors and the behavior of those around us. Um, don't tolerate, not tolerate, condone or, and, or ignore sexual harassment of any kind. It's just like very aggressively, like talking about sexual harassment and harassment in general, kind of in the workplace and just being like, no, nah, we need to, we need to focus on this and get rid of this. Um, mm -hmm. and then the last two sections was, we believe America is, and we believe Texas is. And the Amer I thought, I thought the America one was weird. And I don't know, you guys tell me if you think it's weird. Maybe, maybe it's just me. It says there's two bullet points. One says America is made stronger by the people who put their lives on the line when it is necessary to engage our military to secure our nation. And America is made more secure by competent diplomatic leadership that uses the moral, ethical and economic assets of a powerful free nation to avoid unnecessary military conflict. You can't have both like that. Why? And why would you leave with? Ah, it was. And that's. I mean Go ahead. It's so weird because, like, again, lots of wiggle room, you know? Like, it feels like they're leaving themselves a lot of space when they, they are saying what they mean, you yeah, know? Absolutely. And this is kind of one of those when you're, you know, both, both, this is just political and, and legal speak to a certain extent, where you make your statements so broad that people can read into it what they want to hear. And so it's like you can kind of keep everybody happy if you say just the right word, combination of words the right way. You know? um, and it's like, I don't disagree that. Because I mean, 
you can take when it is necessary to engage our military to secure our nation and be like, oh, okay, so only like if like, you know, the homeland is being attacked, you yeah. know, or like whatever. Um, then then yeah, the people who put their lives on the line then like, yeah, we're made stronger by them, you know, or you can take that and interpret it literally any other way that you want, like yeah. as far as securing our nation is concerned. The the part that I always have an issue with, and this is what I kept coming up when I was getting my history degree, was like our moralism, our moral high, moral high ground, how we're like better than other nations, and they, that they need to follow our moral example. Um, I just don't That's agree with any of that. And we 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 invade countries in the name of freedom. Yeah, that freedom. even if they don't want us there, in the like, name of democracy. A lot whole, of times we say, oh, we want we want them to become a democracy. Um, uh huh. But that's not, it's usually because we want them to become a capitalist country. It's like, usually we don't want them to. Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, sorry. Sorry. I had a, had a cough. Guys. That's a little, a little bit different, but yeah, same sort of thing. Like we didn't, we had no business <laughs> nation building there. That, and that's, wasn't even the instated goal, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have to, to relook at this, but wasn't the Afghan government, the one we installed? Yeah. 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 Okay. I wonder After why they didn't in. like us. Huh? Weird. Yeah. So, I mean, well, that's the thing, like the, the, there wasn't a consensus in the nation, uh, you know, and there's a lot of countries that are like this where the government only has mm -hmm. control in a certain area. Right. And like the rest of that area is controlled by either cartels or in this instance, we have the Taliban. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's the government was not necessarily like the, a, a, a consensus, you know, that everybody in Afghanistan yeah. thought, you know, it was, it was largely held up and backed by the United States propped up. Uh, you know, for military contracts so everybody can make money. I mean, there's all mm -hmm. this documented evidence of like, oh, we were trying to yeah. build X, Y, or Z there, but there was no like infrastructure or even incentive to actually get it done. It was just like, let's there was get no it. clear stated goal or yeah. anything. I was reading the Afghanistan papers. They literally did not know what victory looked like yeah. or what they were doing there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, those Afghanistan papers are maybe we could. No, that's out of our purview. That's not a Fort Worth thing. I mean, so let's let's get back. We're getting we're getting we're getting tangential. Yeah. So that, that's a Patreon Patreon stuff. Documents we can analyze. Hold yeah. on. Yes. Yes. More <laughs> documents. So okay, now let's get into like the first section. Sorry about thing. my ADHD, guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good. Cannabis. Yes, cannabis is the first yes. first thing that they put on there. And so like that, I was like, oh, okay, all right, great. Well, let's see, let's see how far they take it, you know? And to be honest, I thought it was going to be a pretty conservative, you know, uh, approach towards cannabis compared to, you know, some of the other states, Colorado and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But no, they're going like full hog. Like, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So it says uh, Texas Democrats believe cannabis legalization reform can improve public safety, increase public health boost the economy, reduce mass imprisonment, and stigmas imposed on our citizens, and generate revenue for the state budget. Cannabis prosecutions have disproportionately affected youth, people of color, and the poor. America's prison population is now the largest in the world, and Texas wastes millions of dollars prosecuting citizens for cannabis possession. And that's like its little preamble to the section. And that's super based. Yes, all of that is true. Like, you can't really dispute any of that. And then they've got a few points that, and again, so it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's actually 10 points on this. And then those are enough. Like, I'm going to, we'll cover those. But for the listener, if you want to dig into those 10 points, there's going to be six more pages. Um, no, 
No, this one's just the little one. Never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. No, that starts with criminal justice reform. This one is a little one. I'm getting too excited, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you? Do either one of you guys have this section pulled up? The, the Texas Democratic Party supports policies on cannabis reform. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, I just read it. Okay, um, so yeah, I guess do you want? Do you guys want to go down the the bullet points? I didn't. I just. Yeah. Uh, I just feel bad I reading the whole document. Out. Yeah. Um. Just. Just to highlight, I really like that the the provide appropriate employment and benefit protections for users of medical cannabis and protections for parents who use medical cannabis for their children. Yeah, just like that jumped out at me because they're like just going all the way and thinking about all the things and and really trying to make sure that people are protected in this. Yeah, and I love that. Absolutely, and the, the children, you know, included in, in that process as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and they just say like straight up like legalize the possession and use of cannabis, medicinal and, and recreational, which is what I was thinking. Maybe we would go the medicinal route, not do recreational, but they're going, no, let's do it recreational. Yeah, honestly, without that little and recreational thing, everything I see like looks like they're getting ready to make it rec recreational, but it's not recreational yet because it's really focused on like making it ready for medicinal purposes now. And everything else is like mm -hmm. creating a tax structure, getting rid of, you know, of you know, state pe penalties and stuff. Yeah. So it's like they're all they're getting ready to make it recreational, but it's not recreational yet. Yep. And they kind of I, they cleverly I thought it was clever. They throw in uh, at the end of the third point, like how the drug war, the failed drug war is related to the cartels essentially having the power that they do in Mexico, which, you know, is a border issue or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but they say that, you know, in that third point establishes, like you're saying, Thomas, a taxation structure for the recreational use of cannabis that creates dedicated revenue stream for the public health, education, and medical resource organizations, which is like, yes, all this, have the money go to those things, while maintaining reasonable levels so that the legal market will cut off the cartel's hold. It's like, mm. ah, even, even pandering a little bit to those, but hey, like, it, it's a fair point. Um, and then they, even on the next one, say, you know, the, uh, they call it a failed war on drugs. They say facilitate grants and prioritization of licenses, to support the economic empowerment of cannabis-related businesses, their patients, and the commodity, uh, the communities most affected by the failed war on drugs. So it's just like you know, just kind of acknowledging and admitting all uh, what we're all aware of. Um, and which again, keep for comparison's sake, to the Republican one is just punitive. You know, it's not really wanting to, 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 to essentially release everybody from jail who has had marijuana convictions or charges like that's one of the things they're asking for mm -hmm. um they're asking for the removal of cannabis as a schedule one controlled substance at the federal level like to have texas advocate for that decriminalize mm -hmm. all penalties related related to use and possession of cannabis prohibit the federal government and then here we go here's the here's the the traditional texas perspective prohibit the federal government from interfering with our or attempting to enforce federal cannabis laws against those who comply with state level legal cannabis programs. Like, yeah, if Texas makes it legal, f the federal government, they can't make it illegal. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Greg Abbott was right, except just on this one, not nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. like it. Like, it all, like, yes, because yes to all the, you know, like, save us from the government things, you know? Like, yes, yeah. we should. 
it's just like are you trying to say like that the federal government shouldn't be able to like make sure you take care of your citizens <laughs> or are you trying right. to say that we should have a clear-cut way that we handle marijuana laws yeah i mean for those for maybe some of our our younger listeners if you don't know like when california made decriminalized or made it medicinal back in like what was it mm-hmm. 99 2000 like right around there the feds were dea was rolling in <laughs> into like head shops shutting them down tommy chong served time for like mailing a bong uh across and he didn't even mail lines. it they literally had someone go yeah. undercover and then do it for them yeah and it was the thing where it's like it was legal in the state but because it's illegal at the federal level, the feds were coming in. And that is, you know, an example of government overreach. And so that's exactly what they're talking about here. Like, if we do do this, the, the you know, the federal government can't come in here and tell us we can't. Um, which, again, is that, that's just the traditional Texas perspective, right? Like anti-federal government. So I just I just thought that was really funny finding it in, in the Democratic platform, too, you know. Um, and then, of course, they're asking for the immediate release of individuals incarcerated solely for the possession of cannabis, which is like, yes, absolutely. Let let, let empty our prisons, please. If you want to talk about saving money? If you want to talk about good economics? Like, empty the friggin' prisons. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So like, what do you, what what do y'all want to hit next? Like, do you want to just kind of go through the list and say like, yay or nay, or was there certain sections that particularly you're interested in and want to talk about? What do y'all feel like? started from the from the top looking at it so i haven't jumped around so if you have seen anything worth jumping around for feel free to lead us but i'm, All right. I'm down to hit it so criminal justice <laughs> reform is the big one um right it's a big section page, <laughs> page and it needs eight. to be page eight starts on page eight and i don't want to go through all of it but i do just kind of want to at least hit the look at the the main points before and again for a listener like if you want to know the, the eight points specifically pertaining to ending cash bail, go for it. But we'll just probably say, hey, they want to end cash bail, which great, fantastic. And you want to yeah. know you want to know how how and why it's in there, which is which is great. You know, it sucks that it, the document's so friggin' big that it's hard to like to kind of for us to get through to cover like this. But like, but if you are really interested in the policies, which again is what we're about, like hopefully as a as a listener, as a voter, hopefully you can, you know, what 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 are they going to do about this sort of thing? Well they're going to th- it's in there. It's not going to be Kind of like how the Republican one is, where it's a lot less specific in regards to like what they're going to do about these things. Um, mm. So I guess I'll read. Uh, or Thomas, do you mind? Do you mind reading the the thing, the paragraph under the criminal justice reform section, the little baby preamble thing? Yes, let me scroll back up. I was I was reading stuff about juvenile justice and getting slightly excited. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, that's the cool thing. Like it's they cover a lot of stuff in this. It's like it's a lot. It's pretty comprehensive. Texas Democrats believe our justice system should be transformed to focus on barriers to justice, root root causes of crime, and alternatives to imprisonment. Justice should not be measured by wealth and privilege. Fairness, due process, and equal protection should be the ultimate goals of the criminal justice system. We must address the institutional and implicit biases that lead people of color, people with disabilities, and low-income people to be prosecuted more harshly than whites and people without disabilities arrested for the same crimes, as well as the structural unfairness that exists for other vulnerable groups in our society, immigrants, members of religious minorities, veterans, and the LGBTQIA plus community. These problems are compounded for those who are vulnerable across multiple groups. Intersectionality. The Texas... Yeah. The Texas Democratic Party... Wait, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Oh no, no, I, I didn't know if you were gonna say something. Or no, I was just pointing. I was just pointing out that they were being they were being inclusive and in mentioning intersectionality without using the term. Sorry. Well, yeah, you say intersectionality. That's one of those uh, socialist buzzwords. That's how they get you. Yeah, exactly. So Mark. it's just like so they're clever. They say these problems are compounded for those who are vulnerable across multiple ethnic groups, you know, or, or multiple groups. It doesn't specify, but yeah, which is yeah. Sorry, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, we love it. The Texas Democratic Party supports policies and programs that legalize marijuana and unnecessary arrests in cash bail, institute reentry and rehabilitation programs with no cost to the participant and reduce collateral consequences. Eliminate private prisons and detention facilities. Just transform policing, improve prison and jail conditions, reform court procedures, reform juvenile justice, and end tough on crime sentencing. Yeah. Ooh, the 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 cash bail in the private prisons though. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And transform. I you, cry. You might be saying like transform policing. Well, what does that mean? Well, you can go find it. That's they got. It's a whole section. How big is the transform policing section? Where is it at? I don't know. It's in there. It's pretty substantial. It. Yeah. It's like right next oh, there to the uh, juvenile yeah. justice one. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that we're working with. The only one that I had an issue with, and it's just me cherry picking, is like the improved prison and jail conditions. Like, just get rid of the prisons. Like that. I'm I'm just for abolition. But like, yes, in the meantime, please improve them. That would be nice. But private yeah. prisons are a start. I wouldn't get rid of the prisons, but I would I would definitely like convert them into like rehabilitation system facilities. Yeah. To actually rehabilitate people instead of like punishing them for things, you know, and then not giving them the like intentionally not giving them the things they need to correct their behavior, but instead incentivizing them to return to a life of crime. It's mm -hmm. It is the dumbest, most unjust, most irresponsible government policies I have ever seen. I mean, that's the, but the system, and that's kind of what, you know, Amber, you've probably heard her say this before, this is like her whole thing. The system's set up not for rehabilitation. It's, it's set up as a punitive system. It's for punishment. Like, that's the whole, the and whole keep idea it, keep in mind, designed around that. Legally speaking, constitutionally speaking, if you're in prison, you're a slave. Yeah. And it's okay though. Slavery it's okay. 100% abolished. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah exactly. Read the Thirteenth Amendment. Exactly. It's the slavery is yeah. abolished except unless you committed a crime, and then it's okay. We we got to go back. Which I think that, that, that yeah. they need to fix that because I don't yeah. think that makes you yeah. less of a person. Yeah, that's I agree. What they're trying to imply. 100%. So, so yeah, so there's a lot of comprehension or comprehension. I'm using that word too much. There's a lot of stuff in that section. And yeah, I encourage uh, the listener to go check out what they plan on doing on ending cash bail, you know, ending unnecessary arrests, eliminating private prisons and detention facilities, transforming policing and the transforming policing thing. Like it doesn't go, you know, as far as maybe some some leftists want, but it is very different again compared to the what, what we're working with with the other party, having the two party system that we have. It's one or the other. Um, this is obviously like the, the better situation and scenario. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all basic, but it's still further down the line than we are. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, DC actually kind of, kind of led, led the, the, the fight on, fight on this. There's actually a, a section over there where if you don't have money to pay your bail, you're not in jail. And the thing is like most people in jail 
you have a lot of innocent people that are in there and most of them mm-hmm. are in there for like really small things they just couldn't afford their bail so that takes up a lot more space in the jails yeah. which means they're more likely to like make bail lower for the real criminals just because they don't have the space but also you know that's using up a lot of facilities that we really don't need to realistically speaking almost 70 or 80 percent of the people who promise to appear at court actually do yeah you know what i'm saying and it's I mean, so, yeah it's, you might have yeah. to you might have to shut chase down a few people but honestly like it makes no sense to have this cash bail system and here's my other problem in a lot of places uh they've got the same people running these private prisons they're doing parole and they're doing the bail system mm-hmm. and it's it's Make absolutely off criminal because the, they're just the whole thing yeah. yeah they're just predatory yeah and that's essentially you know a, a monopolistic you know when you got one company that's controlling every section of that whole process uh and making money mm-hmm. off of it yeah yeah so, i mean it's inherently classist sorry i did find at the bottom of the transforming policing uh thing it does say um support reallocating funds from police budgets to emergency medical services mental health services homeless so- solutions offices and housing and neighborhood revitalization yep so they kind of did get back from the police after all the within the current system that we have do these things which is something that i've noticed in different departments they did the same thing with marijuana legalization they were like they were like fully you know legalized for medical and recreational and and like protect people who are who are using it and and all of that and then at the end it was like um it was like promote pre-trial diversion programs and stuff so that mm. these things are not criminalized exactly. in the meantime <laughs> yeah because because the, there is going to be a meantime and sometimes a long There's one but yeah absolutely and that, the, another thing under that section that i dug was the the ending the programs of military equipment going to police departments it's like yeah mm. that should be yeah that should be another one going on there the, the section that i got really excited about was that was the next one on dem- they just call it democracy but it really is like essentially like election stuff and voting stuff, uh, campaign finance reform, voting rights and fair elections and ethics and transparency in government. Like I, I was, th- there's a lot of stuff in there that I, I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Um, they essentially say Texas Democrats believe the rights to vote, to, particip- uh, to participate in civic affairs and to- self- Hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you look at the re- reforming juvenile justice? Yeah. Uh, I just saw something that's about to make me cry, dude. Okay. Require yeah. mandatory training for all staff and volunteers on educating students with disabilities. Mm. What do you mean? That's a really big thing. Yeah. So, yeah. You don't have it a lot of people. Things that should be already happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, the juvenile justice, our justice system is, especially for juveniles is really really not good for kids with with mental disabilities because it's not catered to them and most of the places don't have the training to deal with them you know Mm -hmm. so they get hurt a lot more they have a lot more accidents they ended up end up getting punished more and it's not because 
really anything they did. It's really just the staff doesn't know how to deal with them. And it's and that exists it's at, been a really big problem for a very long time. I mean, it exists at all levels of the system, like whether it's the criminal yes. justice system, whether it's the education system. I mean, there's a whole disability mm. rights section in this document. That's, that's something that they really emphasize. Because um, oh, the state of Texas... Say it again. I'm sorry. I interrupted your sentence. No, no, it's fine. But that, I mean, I, I hear you, Thomas. And like, that's, they, they really hit home. It doesn't just show up in that, in the criminal justice section It shows up kind of all over the thing. And it has its own mm. section because Texas apparently notoriously, uh, doesn't follow or adhere to like the ADA or doesn't think that it, that the federal government has a right to implement or enforce the American with disabilities act. And so it literally doesn't think disabilities are a thing. It's the yeah. stupidest thing I've ever seen. So, I mean, in the, this state is like one of the worst states in regards to disability rights and that sort of stuff. So it, it is something that they, they, they very take very seriously. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it, you know, and it, I agree. It is kind of sad that okay. w we got a lot more work to do. Well, uh, we'll, that, we'll get right? back to, let's go to the Democrat democracy thing. I was just really yeah. excited. No, 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 Sorry. for sure. No. And it's one, it's, the, <laughs> it's one of those things. I, 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 I don't know if I should even say this on air, but I'm going to, because it's, it's the truth. Um, I have a student in a, who is in a wheelchair and I haven't seen him in the first two weeks of school because our elevator is broken. And so he can't get, he can't get to the second floor. He can't get to my room. Um, and so he hasn't been participating in the class stuff. I have to like run across the school to get him work. And I talked to him for about five minutes and, and then I had to go right, run back to the class. And so that's not fair to him. You know, no. that that's, that's, that's inhibiting his education. It's just because the school you know, is dragging its feet or whatever. I don't know if there's one technician for the district. I don't know what it is, why the elevator hasn't been fixed. It's been broken for like over, like since the middle of last year. Um, and they said they're going to get Can it fixed you, like, this week or whatever. For the class at We've least? Been, I've been doing that, but um, okay. it's the only class that I have to do that for. And so I often forget until 15 minutes into class. I'm like, oh crap, I got to, I got to get him on here. And so I put it, but then he can't see yeah. me because I'm walking around the room. I'm like, and if they're doing group activity, he can't do it. Um, mm -hmm. and so like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to get off topic too much, but like, no, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And it's like that, that it is a, it is something that needs to be addressed. And it's something that I think a lot of people just overlook unless you know somebody or, you know, have somebody very close to you who is disabled or deals with yeah. this stuff. Like it's something people just don't think about. Um, and so, yeah, so the, this party, the, the democratic party of Texas is thinking about it a lot. So no, no, I'm, I'm glad, you know, glad that we're talking about that. But in regards to election freedom and election democracy, yes. like this stuff. So uh, they say the Democratic Party supports policies and programs that eliminate barriers to voting and encourage full participation in elections and governance. So rather than like trying to restrict it at all costs and like require as many ho hoops to jump through as possible to vote, they're just like, just get rid of as many barriers as possible and make everybody do it. Um, make when it they said possible. good trouble, they meant it. Yeah, man. Promote transparency was another one. It had its own section. So under the voting rights and fair elections section, uh, they want November. They want November's election day to be a state and a federal holiday, which, duh, I agree with. Should yeah. be. So great, fantastic. Let's do that. They also want to combine. And I don't know why. I never thought of this, and it's like it's such an. It was a duh. It was an aha duh moment. Like of course they should for me on this next one, which was combine local, state, and federal elections to minimize how often voters have to go to the polls every year. This would also <laughs> this would also lower the amount of money you have to pay in taxes yeah. to make these elections happen. Yeah. 
It's like, duh. Why don't why don't we why do we have an election in local election in May and then like another one in November? Because, like, uh because unless you're super old and Republican, they don't want you fucking voting. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. They know they're losing power. They've been losing power for a very long time. They've just been doing everything they can to keep it. So that would be cool if we had an election day that once a year for everything. And that's what they're going for. Uh, they mm -hmm. also said, you know, robust and continuous voter education. Education is something they hit through all of these things. Like every platform point has like an educational part of it. We're like, we need to educate the community about this, which is like, yes. Um, increase access to ballot through same day registration, online registration, adherence to federal voter motor voter laws. Uh, they want to implement countywide vote centers, extend accessible early voting period. They want to have curbside voting be, you know, statewide. Uh, universal, no excuse, vote by mail for everybody. So just like making it as easy as possible for everybody to do it in any way that you want to do it. Um, reinstate mo mobile voting so counties with uh, can better ensure rural voters, students, and seniors have access to the ballot. Um, and that's the thing. Our, we have our, a huge portion of our state is rural, and they don't have a lot of infrastructure or ways out there. Like if you're too far from the polls because it's at the county seat or whatever, like you're going to have a hard time. You know, they're, they're trying to ex uh, extend those rights to everybody. Allow Texans who turn 18 by election day to participate in preceding primary elections, which I thought was cool. So you could vote in the primary for 17 if you're 18 by November or whatever. Like that's, yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. If you, that's a good rule. If you're eligible to vote on voting day, you should be able to participate in the primary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they want to repeal the voter ID laws. They want to end racial and political gerrymandering which like is p political ones illegal, but uh, I mean, I'm sorry, racial ones illegal, but political gerrymandering is still totally legal. Um, I want to get rid of that. And then this one was my favorite part. Support the elimination of the electoral college and join the national popular vote interstate compact. And until the compact is effective, proportionately award Texas presidential electoral votes based on the US presidential results within the state. So get rid of the electoral <laughs> college. And in the meantime, make our state a majority rule state so whoever wins texas get that it's just everybody um and uh, proportionally award the the electoral college votes and then the, if you don't know the national popular vote interstate compact is an agreement that if two-thirds of the states agree to this so 37 um then it's essentially like sidestepping the electoral college it doesn't abolish it it doesn't get rid of it but it means that the states don't have to adhere to it uh, they agreed to just have it be a popular vote, essentially. Um, and so this is passed. I don't remember. I haven't checked recently. This is passed in like 12 or 13 states. Um, and so they're saying Texas should be one of those. Once we can get to 36 or 37 states, we can actually bypass um, the Electoral College. So that's something to work towards in the long term, for sure. Then in campaign finance reform, they want to overturn Buckley v. Vallejo and Citizens United, which are two Supreme Court decisions. Buckley v. Vallejo, I believe is 73. It's like 72, 73. That's what made lobbying like legal and a thing. And then Citizens United was 2011. That's what made corporations people in the eyes of the law. And also what made super PACs like be a thing um, to where people could, you know, corporations or people could spend unlimited amounts of money to form a political pack and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. So they were wanting to get rid of all that, which would be fantastic. Um, and then one thing I thought was interesting was mandate every federal candidate to disclose their complete federal tax return. 
and upon election, place any private holdings in a blind trust for divestment. So, for instance, if Trump had become president and that was a thing, all of his stuff, all the stuff that he owned would have been put in, separated from him. He wouldn't be able to access it or have any control of it while he was. Oh, those real estate in. portfolios. And here's, here's the other thing you got to be careful about with political finance reform. You know, a lot of people were very gung-ho. I saw something on Instagram today about people really being about, like, you know, not giving public servants salaries and stuff, thinking, oh, this will stop the corruption not realizing that they're getting money outside of that system. What you are doing is you're getting rid of the, uh, the payment structure for public servants who maybe don't have resources mm -hmm. outside of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, because here's the thing, the only people who are going to be able to, uh, to afford to freeze their private assets are going to be the people who are already like stupid wealthy. Um, some of this stuff is actually kind of expensive because in some cases they don't pay for travel. Um, it, you know, a lot of times this job, they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, what's the big deal? You know, they're only here half, half the year. That's not entirely true. The other half of the year, they're either campaigning or dealing with local government stuff. So really you're talking about a job that takes at least 40 hours of your week, yeah. you know, and, that's, and if you're not yeah. getting paid for that, you've got to be able to have income outside of that, which usually equates to generational wealth or very, very high connections to executive to executives. And yeah, and this is something we've talked about multiple times on the podcast. And like here and here it kind of comes again. We're like, yeah, you need to pay, pay your public servants something worth, you know, uh, something good. Uh, so you're not relying on only rich people to run for office. You know, like I think what, what we when we covered it for Texas, isn't it like eight thousand dollars or something for, for two yeah. years of service if you're like a Texas House representative? And like that's not that's nothing. And so, yes, in those if that's the situation that you're dealing with, then, yeah, you have to make your money through these these lobbying deals where like you make, you know, essentially handshake deals with other companies or whatever to back you politically for X, Y, or Z. And then maybe if you leave politics on the roads, if you retire, then you can go work in that sector, whatever that sector is. Right. Um, hey, maybe. And so, I mean, so yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Thomas. Like that's why you got to pay these people more. Um, and that's a hard argument to make. And that's, I guess, you know, but in this thing, they're saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's clean up the private side of it where you can't yeah. go work in, in, you know, for the, for the industry that's been lobbying you. Um, that that's one of the things that it says require candidate under this campaign finance reform section. They say disclose the funding of sources for all political advertisements. They want to require candidates to disclose their donors employment Come here. Come here. Um, and reinstate the federal public service and equal time requirements, uh, which I didn't know was like not instated anymore. Like where yeah. you got to give each candidate like, you know, the, if one talks for five minutes on, on, TV, then the other one's going to talk for five minutes or radio or something like that. Yeah. No. See, here's the thing that makes me mad about public service. This is the only like industry, let's call it that, where like you can go in there with zero experience in it, no education in it, and still like mm -hmm. be able to be at like the top of the thing and no one's going to bat an eye. Like if Someone goes for a real estate job or, or like they want to be like a high level executive, right? And they didn't, don't, haven't even graduated high school. You're not going to hire that dude. 
Mm-hmm. But in, in public service, it's like, oh, here are all these, these bankers and stuff. You know, they're good for business. That must be good for politics. And it's not. And that's when you get more people who are, you know, more out for themselves, which is why half these things are necessary. And then what they do is they get their, their rich friends to give them more exposure than the other guy. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I there's some, I can't figure out where it is in the document. There's at one point, apparently, on kind of on that, there's... So I guess, you know, we can talk about whether or not we need to have some sort of educational bar, like a test you have to take to see if you're qualified enough to run for office. Like, I don't know. Well, that, I, here's the thing. I, I'd be careful about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm about it because, like, my only problem is education isn't exactly exactly equal or equitable right now. If it was like 100% universal, it didn't cost anybody nothing, you know, 100% mm-hmm. taxpayer supported, and it was good, sufficient, you know, some of these degrees didn't take four years; they only took two or something like that. I could, I could actually see. Where the merits in that, you know, where it was available to everybody. But I'm telling you right now, what that's happened not, is yeah, that's not at, there'd be but... loopholes to bar people out. Oh, you've been to prison, you don't get education. So already we we blocked people from participation. So so even further than we've already gone. You know, that that the education test is like is one thing, but I bring that up because and I can't find it. I don't remember where it is because this thing's so big. But like at some point in this, it's document, a good idea. It's just that we no, have hold to hold on, hold on, shit hold on. Let me, let me let me finish my point. Sorry. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, in, in, it's okay. In, 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 what I'm getting at is that there is a religious test that you are required to take to be to serve public office in Texas. And I did not know this and I can't find it where, where it says that. But when I was going through this, that was one of the things that they wanted to get rid of is the religious test requirement to serve public office in Texas. Um, How does this? Oh, yeah, what? I know, and so I, I don't remember where it is. Uh, fucking fuck? But that's what I'm saying. So, like, yeah, we there's issues with the test thing, right? Yeah, I I hear you, but like, we are apparently there's already one on that we that people have to do. Okay, here it is. It's on page 51 of 60 under the religious freedom section. They got a whole section on religious freedom. Uh, it, it, in it, they say they believe in separation of church and state. They believe the government must not use any public funds to support religious positions or activities. There's a bunch of other ones here, too. I'm just kind of skipping over. But at the very bottom, it says the religious test for public office in the Texas Constitution must be removed. And so now I'm like, do we need to go through the Texas Constitution? Like, <laughs> is, that, is that what we need to do next? I don't know. Like, I didn't know that was. Well, I'm there. looking at the Texas Constitution, and this is probably one of the things where it contradicts itself because it does a lot. Is but, it giant? Uh, I remember hearing it's huge. Like it's not like the U.S. Constitution, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's bigger. Uh, under Article One of the Bill of Rights, Section Four, it says religious tests. No religious tests shall be ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust in this state. Nor shall any of the exclu- anyone be excluded from holding office on account of his religious sentiments. Provided he acknowledged the existence of a supreme being. What? Wow. <laughs> it literally contradicts itself. So wait, this is the Texas Bill of Rights? Yeah. Section four. Not like provided he like has an understanding of like what morals and ethics are. A Just... supreme being? Yep. Sorry, atheists. 
What? So yeah. So there's issues with that. Wait a second. Uh, that Hold need up. to be addressed. Hold up. What I'm what I'm hearing here is that if I can prove Greg Abbott doesn't actually believe in God, I don't. I mean, good luck proving that. He can't be governor. Because I feel I feel like I could get a few few lawyers to take that on and win. So that's wow. Sounds like he passed the test though, which is what it's all about. That's uh yeah. So I don't. So yeah, I don't know. I was just learning. You know, I was like, this kind of blew my mind that that was a thing. Then then. Thank you for Thomas for finding the actual, you know, part that it says that. I don't know. It might be something to go check back at later next time we got the time to document that. But no, they're they're right. It's it it does bar you, but it's like it the the second part that last sentence contradicts everything else. Yeah, it's yeah, it really it's, does. This is. This is the same shit they do with like Jim Crow. Like it wouldn't actually ban people of color, but it would ban people of color. Read it one more time. I just want to hear it okay, again. Okay, so I just want to hear it again. Section section dot four dot religious tests, right? So that's like the, the title of the section. No religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust in this state semicolon nor shall anyone be excluded from holding office on account of his religious sentiments period provided he acknowledged the existence of a supreme being so i guess this is so i mean there's not a lot of atheists in office there's a couple in the country i guess you couldn't legally be one in texas and run for office, right? Like you couldn't be outspoken about it. Would, yeah, could, could I think they, you I mean, probably have more atheists. They just go to church habitually. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's that's like they're going to say yeah. they're Christian. Yeah. There's always been atheists that have had to like fit in that way, but that's wow. That's just uh, yeah. It's not also. Ex- not I inclusive. like how the language has the word he. Yeah, not they. Like so I guess this doesn't apply to women. Yep. I mean, they're. I think they're doing the old school, you know. Oh yeah, they absolutely thing. are. Who? I mean, yeah. So okay, let's, let's let's hit a couple more of these before we wrap this up. I do want to talk about the talk about the, the education section and the economic security section. Uh, pages like eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Um, under the economic security in challenging times, uh, they're talking about how Texas Democrats believe working Texans need income and employment that support their families during times of both prosperity and episodes of economic distress. And so it's like, and I I do want to, I do want to mention, I mean, I probably should have said this at the beginning. This was like written in 2020 and I don't think it's been updated since then. Um, It's still the platform that they're using, but like some stuff has changed. So like there's reference to Afghanistan, for instance. And it's like, well, we're out of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain things that like have been addressed or fixed that like haven't been necessarily taken out of this document. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, they were talking, they have a section on employment and jobs that I thought was interesting that one of the, under the good jobs section, one of the bullet points is require that all employment positions guarantee at a minimum retirement, health benefits, equal pay for equal work, safe working conditions, paid sick leave, paid vacation time, paid family leave, workplace time for child nursing and payment of prevailing wages for public projects. Hmm. For everybody. 
Like, and that's for every every job require that all employment positions guarantee at a minimum retire all the stuff. And so I'm sure there were barriers for, you know, if you work this many hours, then you get this or like things uh, like that. Yeah. There'd be nuance, but but I mean, that's how it is. Yeah. And like UK or France or, or whatever, that's how they got it. Dang. So it's like, we could do that. But it's, it's like for us, for our here as Texans, it's like mind blowing. Like what, you know, but like this, people have it this good in some places. And like, we could too, if we just, you know, advocated for it and got people, you know, to, to in office that want to do this stuff. But I was shocked to see that on the platform, on the democratic Texas platform. Like, I didn't think they would go that far. And this is the minimum. Yeah. that. Yeah. So I don't know. That was cool. Uh, Opposed free trade proposals that send American jobs outside of the country. It's like, yeah, Uh, they had a workers rights section. So as opposed to the Republican one, which was like, just, you know, get rid of labor unions, take away as many workers rights as possible, give all the rights to corporations or companies. This one is Mm -hmm. like mandate the right for employees to form a union or join a union under in order to negotiate collectively with their employer without fear of union busting attack or laws such as prohibitions on payroll deduction of union dues um ensure our judicial system protects the civil rights of labor organizers campaign workers and those working with working to improve workers rights um yeah and so it's i don't know i was just excited to kind of see some focus on those sorts of things because it's rough here in this state like we don't have a lot and our union where we can have unions they're not very strong at all except for obviously the police unions right Mm Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, so then the education one was another one. This was it's too. Say that again. The apprenticeship programs are cool too in the good job section. I'm all about that. Absolutely. Now I'm losing. I'm losing myself. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It just says uh, like offer a couple different apprenticeship programs for high skill building trades to workers, high school students and college students. Yeah. Yeah. We need that. We need a, we need more, you know, of all of those things, of all of all of the trades, of all of those skills, you know, that there's a bit, been like a de-emphasis on that stuff. We definitely need a lot of stuff. The education section was huge, man. Uh, it was very comprehensive. Was it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages? Um, of all the stuff they wanted to do. And I, I don't know, it was, it's just kind of indicative of how much needs to be done. You know, it's like some of these things, some of these sections are smaller, like even the weed one was like two or three pages or something. It was like, all that stuff was great. But like in education, there's just so, it's, there, we have so many problems <laughs> to <laughs> fix. Um, I'll just read some of the major headings. We're not gonna obviously get into all of it, but like protect and improve Texas public education, which like the fact that we gotta say it that way protect it um but we do uh establish a quality classroom and learning environment expand opportunities for every child every student deserves a high quality teacher post-secondary education has has its own section of higher education and community college and diversity and safety so like they've like kind of fleshed out like a bunch of different stuff in all these different areas um essentially Mm -hmm. like i'm just trying to there's i'm just trying to figure out what we're going to cover because like we can't get into all of this but essentially like i'll just read 
under the protect and improve Texas public education section, it says establish a 100% equitable school finance system with sufficient state revenue to provide every child the opportunity to learn in an exemplary program and equitable and equitably reduced reliance on Robin Hood recapture, which I thought was kind of interesting because that is something a lot of people complain about, about like the the richer schools get more funding and like sometimes that funding is diverted to the poorer schools. Um, but they're like, that's our money type thing. And so they're actually kind of saying, well, if we actually have uh, a real equitable finance system where every school is getting what they need, then we won't have to do that Robin Hood recapture sort of thing as much because it, right. the money will be e e evenly distributed. Which honestly, like where the f do people get up being like, oh, well, I need my school to have like five McDonald's in it, you know, that other school <laughs> where no one can eat and they've got like, three teachers for you know 300 students like yeah I, i'm i'm exaggerating there, heavily but, but it's like there there's a little bit of that though you're, that you're is exaggerating a, a little bit <laughs> I wouldn't <you're>, say never. <laughs> thomas be hyperbolic no no way never <laughs> but, but like no but you're right like, they'll, they'll complain <laughs> about it truth is closer to what he's saying <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> it's Oh, too rough. It just it like you know who the real Karens are is the ones complaining about this. It's like, look, your tax dollars are going to help students that aren't your kids, anyways, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Okay. What are you mad about? That they're going to have coworkers and peers that have you know adequate education, so that maybe you know when they're your age, they have to support less people because they got a better footing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, think, I mean, but some people do feel that way. Like it really does. Yeah, it really does come down to like this. Me and my family is all I really care about. Um, it's not my job. It's not my duty to take care of everybody in my community. You know that but there are people who just because that rugged individualist American perspective of like you know just picking yourself up by your bootstraps. It kind of that that is what it is. As long as me and mine are good, like your problem you you get your own shit together you know i, I love that bootstrap saying because it literally originated as a way of saying something's impossible yeah but, i know uh, it's come come all this way but like here, here's my thing all they're doing is they're putting these problems and these burdens onto their children they're basically saying you solve it i'm not yeah you solve it. yeah pretty much and so I know here you ba go. Ba back to the, the children kind of put it exactly. You, you didn't intend to do it, but it's a perfect segue. The next one of the really big things that was on this thing that I, I, I'm a happy I accident. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, was they on, on the platform on, is to fund public schools based on enrollment, not on attendance. Uh, and that's that's huge, actually, mm -hmm. um, because our schools get money based on attendance. So if a student misses a certain period, for instance, like they, uh, they were there, you know, first and second or whatever, and they had a long lunch, something happened, they missed third and fourth, whatever. If that happens enough times, our school doesn't get money. We don't get paid essentially for students not being in seats. Um, but there is, especially during a pandemic, but even in, in a normal year, there are all sorts of reasons, ex extenuating circumstances, why a student might miss a day or a half a day or a couple of days of school. But like those instances can really cost a school funding like a lot yeah. and it might be it might be chronic because a lot of those kids you know especially the habitual skippers i'm speaking as from experience as one of those habitual skippers you know <laughs> i got truancy i think every single year of high school just just so we're clear gotcha um 
there are oftentimes other things that are happening outside of school in the home yeah sometimes in the school absolutely that are discouraging these children from going to school here's the other thing like when you punish them and you punish the parents you put all this pressure on them you're basically you're killing any hope they have for the future like mm -hmm. look at the stats these kids don't go to college later they're more likely to end up in prison they're, they make less money and it's not because oh they don't want to get an education it's because you know instead of helping them deal with their issues to get them back in the classroom we're attacking them yeah and that's a whole yeah the truancy thing and like the punitive again just the same punitive aspect that we have with our criminal justice system is the same way that we treat our children yeah. in the in the, in the public education system it is a very punitive right. sort of system um and so like to me and it doesn't if, make sense to to it doesn't make sense to incentivize that by making school funding yeah dependent on who's actually there who's, that, exactly just hey i've got 500 kids in my school give me enough money to take care of my 500 kids my 500 if kids. we lose five of them because five they move or whatever you know like it's not the end of the world if someone drops out like that's going to happen that shouldn't cost mm -hmm. the school money and the other part of it is that money the rest of the funding a lot of the funding is tied to those standardized test scores and so like mm -hmm. you, you were spent you know all of our efforts are spent on trying that to get needs our to go to and that's that, in here too yeah that kneecaps teachers so hard 100 percent. i don't know one teacher and haven't since in 20 years because my mom is a teacher and all her friends are teachers no one likes star you know since since they've been doing it like it, it's just kind of ruined everything um and so that's in here that's one of the things they're talking about is just get rid of the standardized testing uh it's under the established quality classroom and learning environment section they say eliminate all pass fail standardized tests as a measurement. And, and they kind of even further, they say return comprehensive testing to the beginning of the school year and its role as a diagnostic tool, which like that's that's all tests should be. Um, they don't mm -hmm. as a teacher, they don't offer any like anything valuable in the classroom as far as like, well, what do I need to do, you know, uh, content wise? All it does is, is it compares the students against each other. It's just like, okay, well, this student compared to this student is doing better than this. But it doesn't necessarily tell me as a teacher like what's working and what's not working. And so like using it only as a diagnostic tool where it doesn't matter, it's a, a low pressure situation. It's not gonna really affect your grade, but we take this test just like you take a survey, right? And we kind of see where we're at at the mm -hmm. beginning of the year. And then we do it a couple more times throughout the year to see where we're at. And that can show us the deficiencies in the students without scaring the crap out of the students because they're going to have to retake their class again next year because they failed the test or whatever. And that's how it is. Like if my students pass history with an A, but they failed the star test, they're going to have to take history again because they have to pass that star test to graduate. And yeah, it's, it's fucking. Yeah, the whole thing's crazy. But all, the, all of our funding side of that, too. And so it's just. The teachers are stressed out because the administration is stressed out. So obviously the students are stressed out. Everyone's freaking out about these dumb friggin' tests that are poorly put together and are like not don't have good questions. Like it's the tests aren't great, at least for the social studies. I don't know about the other ones, but social studies tests are terrible. And so it's it's it, everyone just hates this whole process. And yeah, so thankfully, back to the Democratic platform. Thankfully, they're advocating to to get rid of that stuff um, because it is it really is just hurting our our education system in my personal opinion um but yeah they keep going there's a bunch of stuff there's a stuff on colleges too essentially advocating for free colleges for community colleges and that type of stuff and yeah i don't know what do you guys think of all this i feel like i've been talking a lot no no I mean, you're you're, you're you go off king you right <laughs> you're right yeah no it's the education 
I've, I've just been like kind of scanning the whole time we've been talking about this and there's so much good stuff in here. Yeah, there's a lot. There's, it's just, you know, funding. It's, it kind of comes back to funding for a lot of stuff. And it's like, it's just nice to see that acknowledge that, yeah, fund public HBCUs and all historically minority public institutions equitably. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, increase research funding for, uh, you know, tier one public research universities. Um, keep the DREAM Act. Pass the federal DREAM Act to ensure in-state tuition at state universities. Cancel all student loan debt for Texas residents. Provide yeah. interest-free student loans. So yeah, they're advocating for this uh, get rid of student loan debt. You're hearing at the national level, the Texas Democratic Party is like saying that too. Yeah, get rid of it, uh, which would be great. And you want to talk about a you know bailing out whatever, bailing out the audio and auto industry, bailing out the cruise industry, you know, bailing out these people, these these corporations that need government money to stay afloat because they're quote unquote too big to fail. What about the American people, man? You know, what about all of us who went to No, college? they're lazy. Yeah. They're lazy and dependent on the government. Screw them. Yeah. Hair them all. But it's like, are we helping entities or are we helping human beings? Are we helping institutions or are we helping human beings? And Because they're not the same. <laughs> but we get, we get lost in this thing where it's like, oh, we got to help uh, Ford, you know. But we can't help all the people that went to college or whatever that are now, you know, buried under debt. God. It's it's yeah. absolutely yeah, ridiculous how yeah. Here's what I love. It doesn't have to be that expensive. The thing is, you have people at the top who are making stupid money. Yeah, which is why it's expensive. Yep. Which is completely stupid. Yeah, they had to, there's a really good show uh, that was on Netflix. I mean, I just got done watching called The Chair. That's kind of about high it's only got like six episodes but it's like about higher institutions like universities and the struggles that they're dealing with right now financially and otherwise trying to keep up with the very fast and changing you know world and student population like the issues that the students care about aren't necessarily what the administration is concerned about you know they're kind of concerned about keeping their endowment or whatever i don't know it's pretty interesting uh pretty ever enjoyed that so if you're into, into academia news and and issues you could check that stuff out. But yeah, you know, it's it's good that the the party platform is kind of covering all this sort of stuff. Another section they have is uh, ending sexual and family violence was its own section. Um, so, you know, it's talking about kind of making, you know, all because there's so many issues. It comes back to criminal justice system issues where there's just issues in the criminal justice system in regards to rape, you know, and in, in regards to treatment of women in these certain issues in regards to education. <laughs> services that are available all of these sorts of things so that's they cover that can i can i run the numbers on that real quick or ro did you want to run the numbers on that on um, on what exactly okay so <laughs> for those of you listening just so you know where our current you know how good our system is but like rape and sexual assault um when it's all said and done out of 1000 rape cases you will have Three people going to jail for rape. Whew. Only about half of them yeah. are gonna 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 be investigated by a cop and arrested. Oh. Even less are gonna get sentenced. Even less are actually gonna you know not get a plea deal and go to jail. And those are just the ones that are reported. So yeah, when 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 we say you know believe all women believe all victims, this is why. This is also why when people are like, you know, here's from 
conservatives. What about you know men being falsely accused? I'm not really concerned with that because they've done they've still done statistics, even as small as that is. That only happens maybe five percent of the time. And I mean, not really worried not, about that right now. But obviously, that like is the concern. But when the statistics are point zero three percent of go to jail and two-thirds of women experience sexual assault or i, I think that's the statistic yeah. i don't have the numbers in front it's of me close, it's, it's, uh, yeah. that those are some scary statistics yeah. and so that's when it's not three really out of a, yeah when it's three out of a thousand but that's not really one of my biggest concerns my biggest concern are the potentially 997 rapists we are letting slip through the cracks here. Mm-hmm. And this again comes to systemic problems, right? You know, it comes, some of this is patriarchy. Some of this is, you know, inherent bias, but some of this is just like failure of the system to protect people. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't want to harp on, on, on that, this too so, much. No, it's okay. It's important to talk about. I, I just don't want to, I, I had to say something. no, for sure. I just don't want to end the podcast on, on, on such a, such a low note, but yeah, no, absolutely. No, no we it's, it's, and so again, to the listener, there's, that's a, that's a whole section. There's like five or six subsections in that with a bunch of points. So if you, if that's something you're passionate about, you want to see what exactly what they're saying about that. It, there's a lot there. Um, let's, let's do one more before we wrap up. So we've got energy and the environment. That's kind of a big one. We've got equity and social justice. We've got family security. Um, we've got foreign policy. Foreign policy was the one I had the biggest issue with, but it's weird to me as in a state platform, like it's kind of like who cares about what your state thinks about foreign policy? Like the State Department's going to figure that out. Um, healthcare for all. So like there's a whole section on Medicare for all plus, you know. Um, People imm- are concerned about it, so they're going to say something about it. Yeah. Um, immigration is a is a is a big. Uh, couple pages on that this i thought was clever there's a section on guns but rather than saying like guns this is the title of the section reducing gun violence while preserving our second amendment right to bear arms so they're walking that line of like we're not anti-gun we're not going to take your guns away don't be scared we're not doing that we just we're very aware this is texas (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and so i mean it says essentially uh I'll just read this instead of reading any of the points. I'll just read the little preamble at the beginning. The, the Texas Democratic Party supports the right of every American to own and bear arms as preserved in the Second Amendment to the Second U.S. Constitution. Amendment. It is part of our heritage as Texans and Americans to own firearms and to protect our families, homes and properties. We support the ownership of firearms for personal protection, hunting, target competitions and other recreational endeavors. As responsible owners of firearms, we want to preserve these rights while implementing prudent safeguards to prevent random gun violence needless suicides, senseless mass murders, tragic accidents, and interpersonal violence. Therefore, we support prudent safeguards, including background checks, appropriate waiting periods, and the compilation of a registry of people with a history of violence or domestic abuse, which promote public safety and assist law enforcement in ensuring guns are kept out of the hands of criminals or those known to be at risk for causing harm to themselves or others. And then it goes on for, you know, a bunch of bullet points for a couple pages. But like, that's reasonable, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> so reasonable. Like, you can still do all the things that you want to do. 
don't <laughs> like get triggered at the words I'm saying and get scared and then build your entire political ideology around it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why the NRA just needs to go away. I'm might. sorry. They might they, actually they like they don't even don't here's my thing. They don't even help gun gun rights. They don't do any of that because the thing is all they've done really I've seen is block uh block even the the congress's ability to study gun statistics oh and the only time they've ever posed guns guns rights was conveniently when the black panthers had guns so yeah and that's how all this gun culture started was you know partially you know nra paying playing into gun owners fears of governments taking your weapons and oh, for sure. sending you off to concentration camps and turning you into queer sexuals or something Ever. On the note, I mean, I don't, I haven't heard recently, but I know they're they're going bankrupt, right? Like they're in the middle of some proceedings in New York. Oh stuff, yeah, right? no, New like York they're... is beating them up. They're trying to come to Texas bad, but it's not. Yeah, they're, so... they they're getting blocked. They got blocked to do that, and New York is just like, I'm beating you up because I think, I think I don't know if it's the DA or the AG that's that's on them, but it is a very, very pissed off black woman who's very determined to be like, nah, nah, y'all dying. Yeah, so I'm curious to see how that goes. They actually, I mean, we, they might, might not be an NRA, you know, in the in the near future. Fingers crossed. Uh, there's a, a, just to kind of wrap up the the last couple of sections. There's one on infrastructure and uh, smart government. There's one on supporting our veterans. There's there's one another one that I actually found really interesting. Uh, there's also the one on religious freedom that we brought up earlier. But then there's the revitalization of rural communities and American agriculture. And so they actually spend quite, uh, what is this? Yeah, three pages um, talking about this. And this is traditionally, if you're thinking agriculture, if you're thinking rural, you're usually thinking Republican. But the people, the rural people in the state of Texas are the ones who are oftentimes struggling the most. They have the least access to services. Mm. There's the least infrastructure. You don't have internet, right? You don't have phone. Amazon won't deliver to you, right? There's like, there's all this stuff. There's all these issues human rights issues people people need help you know essentially and w when you have this yeah. attitude and this perspective of like oh the government bad a government coming in my stuff you know maybe it's it that's the help is oftentimes the government's only people the only thing that's in a position to help people and again there's not a profit motive when you're spending tax dollars so just on just like a, a quick example before i kind of just say these last few points um I was I was talking to a teacher friend of mine the other day, and he he was, and he, he was complaining about the complaining about mail, like some a package was taking too long for to arrive, and he was like, "We should just get rid of the mail, uh, and just have Amazon for everything." And I was just like, "Uh, no, bro, it's the other way around. Like, we should be spending more money and more funding mm -hmm. on the U.S. mail so they're properly staffed and properly, you know, have all the stuff that they need so you can get your stuff on time." It's like if it was just Amazon, there'd be no incentive. You know, to deliver out to people it's for in, in rural areas, for instance. Um, mm. you, you know, the mail is the only people that go out to your plot of land seven miles outside of the nearest thing or whatever, right? Like it's not profitable to go out there, but there's not a profit motive when it, you're providing a service for everybody, which everybody has a right to their mail. Uh, and so it's just kind of like they have a, a big old section here, uh, kind of covering that stuff, and essentially they're wanting to restore property, prosperity, and opportunity to rural America and American agriculture. They got some stuff listed there they want to do regarding that. They want to ensure 
rural students equal access to a quality ed- education. Because again, public yeah, schools- Yeah, that's really big too. Yeah, public schools in rural areas do not get hardly any funding because of, again, nope. the amount of students that they have. Um, accessible and affordable healthcare for rural Texans. So again, this kind of comes with the Medicare for All thing. If everybody's got it, then you'll have a clinic in your area that will be able to help you. And if you don't have one- that's So like, I, lived, I lived in a small town with that, where that was the deal. Um, no matter which direction you went in, the nearest hospital was was anywhere between 25 and 30 minutes away. Like, if you have a really, really big health crisis, it wasn't going to end well. Like, we had EMTs, yeah. we had ambulances and stuff, but, I mean, when you're that far out, even as, you know, we were pretty connected for a small town. There are worse ones. Um, there, there are places in Hunt County where they didn't have paved roads. But when you're when you're that far out, um, you know, 30, 20, 20, 30 minutes is a big deal. Absolutely. And then on the paved road thing, that's infrastructure. Someone's going to have to come in and pave that. Right. And so this yep. is, you know, if you're prioritizing spending money and resources money. in rural areas, getting roads is one of those things, you know, too. Um, so, yeah, so that they, they, got, they just kind of talk about that confronting environment. I think that's challenges. one of the reasons why so many rural communities have such a large conservative presence is because they don't believe the government works because it, you know, if you look historically, it ain't really never worked for them. Well, yeah, you know, they, 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 they get forgotten a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So they think these policies don't work because, you know, they're always the people getting shafted and that's, that's not right. Yep. And that's where it comes through following through on your obligations, you know, and yep. that's a, uh... That's a part of it too. So again, you know, this, and the, the, you know, again, I encourage the listeners to go read, go through this, uh, you know, and, and try and be by try and be skeptical. But I mean, like this is very different than the, the Republican platform. And, you know, again, it's not binding. Obviously they don't have to stick to any of these things, but the fact that this is the conversation that the Democrats are having, uh, in Texas mm. versus the other conversations, I think is a good sign. You know, I'm actually more optimistic after going through this now than I was before. Yeah. Uh, in, in regards to like the Texas, again, the Democrats don't have power in the state, not yet, but maybe whenever, if, if at some point they do, um, they'll, they'll be headed in the right direction. Oh, we can fix that. If we get more people registering the voting and actually voting in these elections, yeah. uh, then, you know, we can make stuff happen. For instance, the upcoming, you know, commissioner's court commissioner's court court election mm-hmm. uh where you know betsy price is running for county judge mm-hmm. red flag guess who else is running to be on the commissioner's court who else manny uh, ramirez oh that's right that's right yeah fort worth poa get out of there and vote, people please yeah so we'll, we'll actually we'll have to cover that pretty soon uh yeah probably in the next month or so start covering the people running for that um mm. yeah yeah so i, I get uh, thank you guys for sticking with us um and, and oh hang and, on did you want to do the last point on supporting veterans uh no i mean there's i mean unless you there's not something you want to say i can i can run through it real quick or real quickly um so they've got a really big focus on supporting their veterans uh looks like one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was uh they had a section on you know preventing veteran homelessness um Providing us through providing a sufficient supply of affordable and permanent supportive housing, combined with intensive case management, employment services, and physical and mental health care. So basically, what they need to not be homeless. 
Um, identifying every veteran experiencing homelessness or at risk of becoming homeless to connect them with VA programs for homeless veterans. That's actually a really big deal because the thing is, veterans are very proud and they don't like admitting when they need help. Uh, if if y'all have loved ones that were not, military, not you know that them asking for help is like pulling teeth. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want to paint every veteran with that brush, but that is true. That a lot a lot of yeah, people, people do feel that way. It's it's really common. Um, another thing I've seen, and I like this, uh, veterans community engagement. I didn't, I hadn't really looked into this, and this is this is wrong to me on so many levels. So it's advocate for the rights of marginalized populations, including repatriation of deported veterans, and protect the rights of immigrant family members. Which means you have veterans who weren't U.S. citizens. You have non-U.S. citizens who served in the military who got out and got deported by the government they served. Yep. Just as a general rule, if you serve in the military and you didn't have citizenship before, you should have it afterwards. You shouldn't be getting deported. I mean, bare minimum, you you and your family gets to stay here. I'm sorry. (laughs) Them is the rules. That's what, I mean, that would, that would, that would be what you would think, right? That would be the common sense sort of thing. But yeah, no, historically, that's certainly not been the case. I mean, it's always been we See, when we need the immigrants, like wartime, for instance. Oh, okay. Or cool. for, you then know, you migrant farm labor. Yeah, same, same example. Exactly. But then when, when times get tough, who are the first people that we're, you know, quote unquote, trying to get rid of, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I do another thing I just want to hit kind of before we're done is like the separation yep. of, of the ideas and and the party. Like I was talking to my dad the other day and he was just talking about Democrat, 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 this and just identifying as a Democrat his whole life and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's a very boomer, you know, for for if for, for people of that generation, they I think they identify with party a lot more mm-hmm. than maybe ideology. But like, yeah, I'm not pro Democrat. I'm pro issues i have certain things that i care about that need to be changed and like whatever party decides to put those issues on their platform is who i'm going to support like it's not it's not a party thing and so i don't i you know we've been very supportive of this episode because this has been a really good platform <laughs> but I, yeah. I i just want to make it clear that like i'm not like a simp for the democratic party after going through this and i i, you know, I hope i'm not i want to speak for you guys but like i hope we're all still trying to you know keep keep our ideas you know and the and the party separate i don't know that's just something oh, yeah. I'm concerned about. I'm only a simp for CM Punk right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wasn't expecting that. Okay, I have a student who same same. That was uh, left field. Very nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, do yeah, we- no, absolutely. I do not identify with really any party, but like I feel like especially like. I've never really identified with the Democratic Party, even though that tends to be how I vote, just based on my options. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by this platform at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I do it's, not think it's going to be yeah. as strong on topics that I care about. I grew up, you know, more conservative, almost out of rebellion, because I actually have some some people in my family who were like, who helped high profile democrats get elected like my grandfather helped bill clinton become governor in arkansas mm-hmm. like that's not i'm not that's not even hyperbole that's that that's a real thing um that mm-hmm. happened 
but uh you know the more i see from the democratic party it's not that i'm like oh my gosh i'm a democrat for the sake of being a democrat it's that i see them really listening to the people and instead of like digging their heels and putting their heads in the sand they're really transitioning their platform and their message to reflect the needs and wants of a younger generation of voters and it's really tailoring to the problems we have in our society and what solutions we can take to solve them versus the republican party which seems to be more concerned with status quo uh themselves not really the collective of people just the people who vote for them you know um Yep. And doesn't really take in yeah, it doesn't really take into account anyone who isn't gonna vote Republican. Like Republican policies right now are gonna help some Republicans, it's gonna hurt some, and it's gonna hurt a lot of people who aren't. Um Democratic policies are gonna help everybody, regardless of party. And that's why I tend to vote for Democrat nowadays, too. It's more inclusive. Like, it's just an inclusive perspective trying to really be, you know, helping everybody and not not drawing Mm -hmm. that that line. So awesome. Well, we did it, guys. We made it. We made it through. Yay. Thanks for for listening to us and uh, check us out on on Twitter, on the tweets. FW at FW review. We need to get an Instagram, I think. Say it again. I said, have we been tweeting good? (laughs) To be honest, I've not been using Twitter lately. I've I've been, people have been, uh, people have been following us on it here every, every couple of days. We'll get another another follow. So we do, I do need to be more active. But yeah, we've got a justice reform league, Instagram. Um, Maybe we could like, I don't know, repurpose that one. I I, I do want us to have some Instagram. Yeah, we could totally just rename that one. Like, what do we have to post about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could find them for sure. Sweet. Well, enjoy yourselves, everyone. We'll be back in two weeks with some more interesting political homework. All right. Yay. Yeah. Bye.